You are listening to God Incidents with myself, AJ Hushka. And Dr. Rod. Which I think we just need to go to my real name because I think we use it way too much, which is Amber in this podcast. Right. So that that is, I guess, what, what we'll end up changing here going forward is people can now find me on social media. Just, yes. Just kidding. So we have a guest today, which... We've been waiting for a long time. Oh, yeah. Anticipating it like crazy because she kind of lived in between us when mm-hmm. we lived as neighbors. So welcome, Amy Johnson. Thank you. Excited to be here. Good. Great to see you again. You as well. It's been a few years. <laughs> yes. And now you are mayor. Yes. Of Ashby. Yep. That's wonderful. Thank you. And She's had a lot else. of highlights in her life in the last couple of years. Start her own business. Yep. I've been following that a little bit. and mm-hmm. uh, so. On top of raising three children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now becoming mayor. I just can't sit still. I don't know how you do it all. We were actually talking about this a couple episodes ago, just how overwhelming sometimes it can be just to be a mom. And then you add a full-time job to it. I can't imagine adding owning your own business as well as a mayor. Because especially with the age your kids are at now, life is busy. They don't slow down. It's ridiculous to me. No. Well, the reason that I started my own business is to find my own work-life balance. And have you found it? Yes. Good. Yep. Because I am the one doing the running. Um, And I am running a business as well. So, (laughs) um, you know, I'm three years in now, in year three. And so the first year was really tough. The second year was pretty tough. But now I feel like I know what I'm doing and I can find that charge and really create that balance. So, And, you know, as you get to year four, the percentages of success go way up if you can do it four years. Okay. Because we were researching. I heard, yeah, if I I made it to five, I'm in. The first (laughs) first five years are uh, a a big fail rate for people to to fall back. And I, I mean, yeah, I get it. There's been many times when I wanted to pull the plug and say, I'm done. This is too much. But I had people that believed in me and said, keep going. And right. so I did. Well, I always knew you'd succeed since you were my neighbor. But I mean. <laughs> it's just the neighbor factor yeah. that he knew you were going to succeed. I think there's a little more grit to Amy than just being a good neighbor. But. <laughs> I'm far too stubborn to not succeed. Right, right. Oh. Mm-hmm. That is my uh, joke is why I have a best friend who's redheaded and a husband who's redheaded because I really do love pe- people with passion and they redheads just seem to carry it. Well, I had a red beard when I was younger. <laughs> You're a passionate person. So keep that there. Yeah. Something to that redheadedness. Well, a God incidence. I don't know if I've talked much to you, Amy, about what that is, but Rod and I have come to define a God incidence as something that happens that at the time you may think it's a coincidence, or we use the word coincidence to describe these things lining up. But a lot of times after the fact, you look back at things and you're like, that just, that was too perfect to be a coincidence. And so we call those things God incidents, which we feel like they can show up in life And a lot of times I feel like that is what may attract us or 
increase our belief in a higher power. And I love when I've been talking and chatting with Amy is that we're, she's very insistent on not using the words like God or whatever, like it, it's her own definition. So I'm wondering if you can kind of share with us how you came to that, whether it's your history with religion or how you've built your faith, but just what brings you to how you define that in your life. How I define God. Yeah. Well, well whether it's a God or just don't say your that. beliefs. We that. could just say, what we could say is there are things that happen in our lives that create in us these different emotions and powerful energies that we can't really explain just by looking at things that are empirical. So it's in my doctor phase of my life, as I taught, you know, in, in uh, higher ed and different things, I mean, we call it a trans-empirical event. So it's based in reality, but it transcends the empirical, which is why most people use, I believe, the word God incidence. They don't know what else to call it necessarily. Coincidence. I mean, we've, you know, so we're saying the God incidence part isn't based on how you view a religious thing or, you know, someone in the sky or some power or whatever. It's just a way of saying, I mean, the old name for God in some of the languages was like good, German, good, and God, you know, it's very almost equal. So it's the idea of something good happening to us that we weren't expecting necessarily. And it happens regardless of our religious, sometimes orientation or whatever. It's purely something that we look back on and go, wow, that was transformative or powerful or energy. And in this Artist's Way course that I took, there was a lot of emphasis on the energy that's created, that's within us, that we have, that, but that comes out sometimes in, through circumstances that we may probably didn't plan on happening just that way. So I, I think getting out of that idea of, has to be in a box, has to be defined this way, God, now you can call it whatever you want to. We're just talking about that kind of event. Mm -hmm. Takes us out of the empirical, the mundane, and goes into another realm. And often, usually, it's in retrospect, you or I, or we might see it. Because it's not, we recognize it as we go along. It's special. Anyhow. Yes. Um, and I've probably had many events and things over my life to, to bring me to what I believe, which is pretty untraditional. But I believe that heaven is made up of a CEO structure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain that more. No, no just... so God's at the top, but He's a very busy man. Mm -hmm. So or He's woman. overseeing all of our angels and in the structure that be to allow the things that need to take place and the people to be taken care of. I'm right. also an overanalyzer, and I have to justify everything. So this is probably my way of doing that. Um, but I have felt spiritual times, um, especially living where we live and we're out in nature. Um, I remember being in Duluth one time, um, overlooking, you know, walking on the cliffs and overlooking the Great Lake and you just have that feeling like you're with a higher being. Um, near Ashby, there's Seven Sisters Prairie, mm -hmm. which is a similar kind of concept of land and it's very godly feeling when you get up there. You just feel like you're kind of with the spirits and 
your worries fade in a way. Um, So those things happen, but I don't feel anybody in particular. I just, it's a freeing feeling. I know that there have been words said like, oh, that was a God thing, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout life. And I can't think of anything particular. Um, But I definitely have guardian angels uh, that I pray to. And there have been times that I've prayed to God when I feel like I need to go above who I normally pray to. Got to go straight to the top. If I need something done right now, I got to go to the top. Mm. But I don't bother him if I don't need to. So very huh. untraditional. I like it though. I like this idea of angels because we haven't really talked about angels. No. And I think that's a fun topic to explore is the idea of angels. Yeah, how did that get into that mix, the angels, or something from your childhood or something else? That Well, I've been to a lot of funerals. I'm the youngest of three and the youngest in all of my extended family. So I've just been to a lot of funerals mm. over time um, and lost some close people to me, uh, aunts and my grandma, and I... Um, don't you know? I, I believe they're still they're still with my immediate family and watching us. And um, my number one angel is my grandma, mm. Grandma Ruth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she passed in two thousand five, and so a lot has a lot of good has happened in my life since she passed. So and she answers my prayers. So tell me more how that works um well we're getting really deep getting, you a got a bit of therapy here <laughs> rod it's amy kind of got fascinated. a you i know but she's a slow warmer upper <laughs> well, i noticed i forgot that, that she's sort of got this self yeah i mean it's a self boundary protection thing you know where we're just going okay let's just talk about whatever but this is amy so let's approach it let's know. dive in it's just we, the three of us right? i i do have to say though from knowing you two because i know when we were neighbors you guys were close and you bonded as neighbors can but it's really interesting to me how you both describe a higher power being connected through nature because i i don't necessarily i mean i i see things and i i think they're beautiful um, and I'm not saying that that's not God made, but I feel like my, my connection with a higher power comes through connecting with, with people, like mm-hmm. hearing people's stories. Like that's what makes me feel really close to a higher power is a connection with another person. But when you guys have both described a higher power connection, it's been in nature. And I just think that's kind of neat that that's what connects you both. True enough. Yeah, we have a, a fascination, sort of an awe, almost, of nature, things beautiful. and Well, that's kind of what we bonded over, too, yeah. was horticulture. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys are both master gardeners, right, at one point no, in time? Well, she went on and did the actual. I took a lot of horticulture in college. I worked in a greenhouse, and I've always had it as sort of a a running hobby. But I'm not a certified, not like Amy, not a certified master gardener. It's my therapy. And it, I think I always drove Amy nuts because I approached, I always said I was a hippie gardener, so I just gave it peace and love and was like, it'll grow. 
I didn't do anything but said I'll just talk to it and mm-hmm. give it love. That's how well, I garden. You just said that you talk to people. And that's yeah. your spiritual connection. So weird, isn't if it? If no people, then plants. I know, and so and they're part of nature too, Amber. Like people. Yeah, I know, but but that's what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying I'm discrediting or disconnecting from nature because I see beauty in it. That I, I find therapy and walks and experiencing, but I think where I really truly find a connection with God is through connecting with other people. Like, so if I had to describe what's, if you said, hey, Amber, what's the meaning of life? I would say it's a connection with another person. Like that is a true meaning of life. And when we eliminate those connections, I feel like you're eliminating a reason for being. So when we look at how we communicate these days where it's all through phone and there's no personal connection, that scares me because I feel like that's what causes a lot of our mental health issues and things like that is because I feel like you need a connection with a live human being to find something out of this life. I don't mm. think we can survive just alone. Right. And some of us have had difficulty with human beings in our life. And so we went to nature. Sure. We went to things that would, that were approachable and had this glory in them, this whatever it is that we experience and we, this strength, this amazing sort of an energy that you feel a presence, but you don't know how to describe it. But we went to those things because maybe people had let us down, you know, or people had deceived us or hadn't maybe done their part. or Maybe they did and they just, we had too high expectations. I agree. But in nature, you mm-hmm. kind of, it is what you, you get what you see, you see what you get. You know, it's like it's not trying to deceive you. It might be subtle. It might be sublime. It might be amazingly, diff- you know, like dissecting a flower, you know, out in the prairie and looking at the stamens and pistils inside this flower and just going, oh, my gosh, this is all part of this whole circle of life. And they're beautiful. And they're made in such a way, like for flowers, you know, I mean, they often imitate insects. You know, I go, why do they do that? How do they do that? They're, they're built so like a bumblebee wants to land on it because they think it's, it's like a mating, you know, made the same way. There's all this stuff going on with flowers. That's the part that really gets me in nature is it's so complex and so efficient and powerful. It, it just seems like this can't just happen. And, you know, and, and I collected insects as a young buck, whatever. Didn't have anything else to do after school. I was all alone. Only child came home. So I developed a really close relationship with insects, flowers, collecting things, you know, and I was always in awe and I just lose myself in it. Mm-hmm. I think that there's great potential for conflict with people and a lot less potential for conflict with nature. Mm. Yeah. But it's funny because in one sense, people view me as being, okay, here's Rod. He's got this, you know, masters of divinity and he's do whatever PhD thing. But that ever like was a barrier when, because we seemed to right away know where the connection was in flowers and, you know, landscaping and different things. That, and so that's a beautiful thing about that is that you don't have to have a barrier over these terms. You can, in nature, you can go right in. Or you can Google it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, I remember this quote saying, it's, it's, you know, like, what real friendship isn't, 
or, you know, it's not like standing just talking to each other, but it's like being able also to admire together, some look together and look at the same thing and admire it and both sense an appreciation for that. Well, that's a nice, hmm. nice thing about friendship and nature. You can go out with someone and both observe something beautiful and have that common thing, you know, that you're, you're not looking at each other. You're just looking at this thing. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. I like, I just like this conversation of connecting to a higher power through something else relationship wise of whether it's nature or people. But I think it's really interesting of how we get to that point. Like what, what builds you into that where you find that connection and maybe it is experiencing loss or relationships that have failed you in the past where that isn't necessarily something that connects you to a higher power. Well, that angel thing is fascinating to me. Um, and I had this experience where I was in need of talking to someone. This was back in college years. I wasn't a theologian. I wasn't, I was just searching and I was going through a lot of, I had a lot of depression in college off and on because I was feeling lost. Like I didn't know why I was there, but there were certain people I really loved to talk to. And usually they were nature loving people, you know, some were sort of post hippie like me dumpster diver, baggy pants, post hippie, long hair. But anyhow, I had to talk to this person and I was really concerned I couldn't find them. And there's a campus of 8,000 people at University of Idaho at that time. And so I prayed, you know, it was just like, well, God, if you're there, help me find this person. I really, I mean, I was, this isn't a joke. It was really, I needed to talk to somebody about some stuff and I just needed to talk to this person. And I just started praying. I was praying and walking and I was like, you know, like, like the water witching thing or like you're, you know, or like you're like hot or cold. Like, and I just started trying to be in touch with that. And I, it wasn't more than like three or four minutes. And across this campus of 8,000 people, that person appeared and I was able to talk to them. And I thought, wow, we have way more powers than we realize. Or there's angels or there's Beings guiding you, you know, like tapping you on the shoulder, like go this way or something. So I'm, I've always been fascinated by that mm-hmm. as well. well. And I'm happy to answer your question. Well, I don't know. If I, I have think what Amber was one. talking about with people and conflict of people into what both of you were saying, just history of people letting you down in different ways and then turning to nature. It's probably why I don't open up very easy as well. Um, it's just our circle of life. But these stories have really been the meaning of success for my business, for my entrepreneurship, um, what my grandma has done for me, even though she's gone. Mm-hmm. And so when she passed, I saw a cardinal um, just a day or two afterwards. And I, I never see cardinals. I've been feeding them for 20 years and they don't come. And so, um, but I keep waiting. But I have seen them three times since I started my business. And those were three times when I was ready to quit. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and so I will talk to her now. Um, I'll ask her questions and she answers. 
I don't think it's my conscience, but you know, I will just say, what, what, what do I do? Or sometimes I will be doubting myself and you get those kind of internal demons like, you are not good enough for this. This is too much. We need to turn back. Mm-hmm. But then I'll hear a voice that says, keep going. And I don't know where it came from, but I know it's a higher being. And I know I need to listen to it. And I don't need to overanalyze why I, that, you know, so. Sure. It's kind of that tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot in those first two years that I turned to that guidance and tried to listen to the signs. And there was um, probably in the, it was before winter, um, maybe six months ago or so, I was drinking my coffee and looking out my back window and thinking, how am I going to get around this one? Another, another mountain to climb as an entrepreneur. And I'm staring out my window just, perplexed and a bird flies up it's a cardinal right in front of my window i've never seen a cardinal there (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so i thought okay got it i'll do it and so i kept going another time i was sitting in this was my favorite i was sitting in Um, my car waiting for my son at piano lessons. Um, The piano teacher happened to have a little horse, um, little horse ranch in their backyard. But I was talking to uh, somebody that I work with and we were talking about this business idea. And I thought, well, I don't know, this is kind of big. I don't know if we should do this. Um, And so it's kind of added on to what I'm already doing, but... um, in the same route, route of things. So anyways, we're talking, and then in front of me flies a cardinal. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that was red. I have to follow it. <laughs> so I got out of my car and chased it um, while on the phone. And then I said, I got to call you back. And so I got my phone out quick, my camera, and I took a picture. And it was the most beautiful red cardinal sitting on a white picket fence with horses behind it. And then... The backdrop, it was the most godly picture I've ever seen. Hmm. And so I developed it. It's in my office. Aww. I even developed another one, framed it, and gave it to the person I was talking to and said, we cannot not do this. Hmm. That is a big sign. So things like that, that, yeah. So you overcame the obstacle, obviously, that you had we're facing. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what it is right now. No, it's fine. I, I don't had, remember. You had. You <laughs> we had just the, moved on. The yeah. strength and the encouragement from that to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. That's. It gives me hope when I have those signs and get those taps and hear the words. I get hope and uh, reassuring that I can do this. Just got to keep keep going. Keep pushing because I don't know what's on the other side, but we're going to find out. So it seems like that connects you and you get a sense of well-being when that happens. It's a, it's a connection to that trans-empirical part of life, which we don't, we can't see. But I think we all kind of intuit that it's there. We all kind of know, even if we're not really strong people in some, you know, naming it. Almost everyone I've talked to has that side of them. That is like a spiritual side or a side that can 
connect with that. And it's interesting to me, the messages are powerfully encouraging and, you know, that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I should tell the Lebkuchen story about Brooklyn. <laughs> this is a good one. And this is about Grandma Ruth. And this was before my business, but I know it tells me how strong her spirit is. Can you say that name again? Because that's just... Grandma Ruth? No, the Lebkuchen story. <laughs> the Lebkuchen, yeah, yeah. So this is when Amber and I and you were all neighbors. Yeah. Uh, Lebkuchen is a German cookie that I make every year at Christmas, and I carry the tradition on from my grandma after she passed. Don't ask oh. her for the recipe. She won't give it to you. No, that's one I it's won't It's not pfefferness. <laughs> Pfefferkuchen is another name for it. So it's pepper cookie, or it, it's pepper cake. It's Pfefferkuchen <laughs> or Lebkuchen. Yeah. Okay. Well, we make pfefferness, which is, you know. I think we've talked about this. Yeah, I, we have. I, um, I, it's coming back. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have German common background cooking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I make these every year. It's quite a process. One year, Amber came over and her youngest was a baby. And you know, babies can see spirits. And so it wasn't on my mind, but my I knew my grandma was there because... Can I, can I make a comment on this? What? Quick. There's a scripture that says that Jesus says the little ones, these kids, little babies, they're always beholding the face of an angel. You know, So it's like, when you said angels, you know, that's one of those things that's special about kids. <laughs> that was a big one, yeah. So we were just in my kitchen, and Amber was holding the baby, and she was probably six months. Probably. Because yeah. she was nonverbal yet, but she had a personality. Yes. So um, my grandma's always present when I make the cookies because she tells me when I'm doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. She's 100% German. And so I'll have her in my conscious, like, no, you need to add more flour. That's mm -hmm. not enough flour, right? So I knew she was there. Um, and all of a sudden, Brooklyn, the baby, looks up above the cupboards and starts laughing. Mm. And Amber and I look <laughs> at each other and we looked up. They're like, there is nothing there. And right. she, it was like she was conversating with mm -hmm. somebody an angel. Yeah. In it with an angel. That was that was powerful. Yeah, and she was 6 months old. Yeah, she was young cuz she wasn't verbal at all. But we had just got done. Amy had just got done explaining to me why she makes these cookies every year. Sure. Like the family history behind them and I think that was my introduction to Grandma Ruth. Um and how I kind of got to know Amy's connection with Grandma Ruth and that was yeah, it was, we just kind of got done talking about it. And then Brooklyn starts giggling and baby conversing with someone who's not in the room with us that we can see. But you could feel that there was a presence with Amy that day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. Encouraging. Yep. And I, you know, as a pastor, and I've been a pastor and a missionary teacher, you know, most of my life is education, but a lot of pastoral experiences. But with my own, with my dad, um, I was in the room as my dad was in his last weeks, last days, actually. And one of my relatives came in, and I was sitting there. And they came in, and they just looked, and they go, they got really almost pale. And he said, do you see that? And I said, what? He said, Your dad is, like, glowing, like there's this light coming out, you know. I said, no, but I believe you see something. 
it's for you. It's not for me, you know? And because I, you know, you read about these all the time in the Bible, angels appear to this person, angels got, you know, it's just like all over in our Western culture. We don't acknowledge it, but I was used to, cause having lived in Africa, they acknowledge this all the time. Angels, spirits, you know, helping angels appearing, helping them out of something and disappearing. So I don't have any problem with that, you know. It's and in fact I think that Western Christianity, you know, Christianity is actually an Eastern religion, not Western. But the Western Christianity has has made it so about physical things and about what we do that they've forgotten this intermediary. You know, we 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 have this loss uh, of the middle. Uh, the middle is all the angels, spirits, all this other stuff that affect us. We kind of go from going to church and then going to heaven and God's way out there. But other cultures, Amy and Amber, you know, they're like in, in my the African cultures I encountered in Cameroon, Cameroonian cultures, they are very aware of this. So when you talk about an angel or a dream or some guidance, they're right there. So I don't have any problem with it and love hearing it. So one of the things that we've talked about in the past is having these signs or these connections with a higher power, but how I think many of us go about our day-to-day lives and are too busy to acknowledge them or to even want to see them. And I think about how powerful they are in your experience where you're at a point of possibly making major life decisions or needing just that next little piece of encouragement to move forward and it kind of breaks my heart that there's these things probably happening every day and there's a lot of us that just ignore them or we're not in a place where we can accept them to help move us and bring us to the next step which may be guided by something beyond our control and I think that's so beautiful that it's helped bring you through difficult times but I just want to get your thoughts on, I, I call it like quieting the mind where I feel like we're so busy. We forget to just quiet our mind and be, and kind of accept what's being put right in front of us. Like, can I make an, any like more clear sign to you? Right? Like when you look at it, hindsight, like Amy, I'm sending you a cardinal, like right to your window. Can I do anything else that would be any more obvious of where I'm pointing you or where I'm guiding you? But I feel like this happens all the time and we're missing it. Mm-hmm. I think that you are right. Um, I don't tell this story because people would say you talk to spirits. That's how you make your business decisions. <laughs> Not all of them, just the really hard ones. <laughs> um, but I think it also has to do with stopping to smell the roses. Yeah. We can't be in such a hurry. What are we in a hurry for? And we do have to pay attention to what's in front of us. And enjoy what God gives us. Yeah. And there's a lots of things around us. As you said, it's happening. But I, I think when we see the world only from materialist, a materialistic standpoint, we automatically then exclude that amazing and mysterious part. Like with dogs, for me, I think dogs are often so in touch with God and humans and feelings. And when I've, there's some of my dogs, when I've been in really low spirits, really difficult times, they can sense that. 
so clearly and come over and sometimes just put their nose on my lap. Or I remember one time I was really struggling with something and my dog came over and just nuzzled in and just present. Didn't do that normally, you know. Yeah. But quietly just stuck the nose in against my leg and just, you know, let me know that he was there. And I feel that there, there's no barrier, you know, in creation. That's why cardinals and other things can be used so easily. There's no barrier between God communicating with them and them communicating with God. You know, like the Bible's full of these things that the trees are praising God and, and all creation is worshiping, you know. Yeah. Whereas we have to be kind of lured into worship and we've got all these things about, wow, we're going to be manipulated or, you know, we have such a hard time letting loose, just being who we are. Right. Think, right. This is what, and you bring that animal story up, like when my mother-in-law died, she was a feeder of hummingbirds. The day she died, and it was on the other side of the house, it wasn't by the feeder, a hummingbird comes over when she's dying and is tapping on the window. <laughs> Everyone in the house is just freaked out because they knew how much she loved hummingbirds. They never came to that side of the house, you know? And they all saw that as, you know, a God thing, but also a nature thing. Because actually in the biblical world, they're connected very I was going to say they're one, right? It's, you know, it's, uh, it's us that have torn them apart in the way we say, oh, no, there's no God. We just have to study what's in front of us and just be, you know, in tune, you know just materialistic kind of. But, but most peoples of the world, including the native peoples that populated this continent before us, were very aware of the great spirit and about and everything they did was related to spiritual things you know um i've got a story in mind but i don't want to take away from amy's but it's it's all about that you know so well, you can't just say you got a story in mind and then drop it well <laughs> it's okay so this one is very very powerful to me and it's totally outside of what i normally do teach or whatever so i was out skipping stones in Star Lake in the spring after ice off. I like to go out after ice off. There's really good skipping stones. Out. And I had my dog with me. It was just me and my dog. And we, it was a beautiful day. It was too cold to swim. People didn't have their boats in yet. But they're also going to build a casino at Star Lake right in the area where we have our land, our cabin, and we would have had all this weird neon lights, you know, would have been totally destroyed the whole area, I think, in terms of its ambiance and beauty. And I was terribly upset about it. Didn't know what to do. I'm not part of a native tribe. I didn't have a vote or anything. But so I'm out there skipping, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm wondering, I don't know what to do. I look down in the water, and I see this stone. It's different than others. I pick it up. I go, oh, that's interesting. And I, it looks like a petrified rock. I put it in my pocket. I come home, and I take out my magnifying glass, and it's a little stone about four or five inches long and shaped triangular and and it has figurines on it. It has a little elk and a moose and an eagle and a person and a dog. And you can tell because the eye holes, there's eye holes in it, so it's actually an old piece of pottery, very old. And the eye holes are for the animals are different, you know, like how they make an eye hole for the human has this teardrop shape often the, the, dog, the animal's eyes are round and this 
has three round ones, and then it has this teardrop, you know, it has the human one. And there was one left little stone or something, like a little tiny piece of an agate in one of the eyes. So they obviously had set something in there in the eyes. But, but the thing was, it was clearly these animals finely etched into this, must have been clay and baked at some point. Well, I was amazed by this thing, and I started researching it. Long story short, I found out from one of the native peoples who I talked to said, well, that's probably a personal stone. The Anishinaabe used to have personal stones, so when they would hunt, they had a pipe. They carried their own tobacco. They grew their own tobacco, and they would do this ceremony where they would smoke their pipe, and then, of course, the idea of a sacrifice, you know, smoke going up was like a prayer, and they'd put the stone, there was a slot in the pipe, so any person could use that pipe and put their stone in there, and then that would be their prayer for the hunt. The Great Spirit would give them what they needed, and the animal would let their life be given. You know, it was this whole relationship thing. But the really powerful thing was when I told this to this person who was one of the members of the tribe, he said, do you realize that I'm going to tell my tribe this? Because he said, and this was during the casino thing, he said, if that's there, they can't build there because we all know that that's a sacred spot. You know, and I was like, I was really overwhelmed with this yeah. because that was something that influenced people in the tribe when they heard about it. To vote for to it. To vote against not. this huh. casino because that personal stone means that that spirit place is sacred. And I still have the stone. I still, you know, I have it wrapped up and and... Because many people misunderstood. Some of them said, well, where are you digging? I said, I wasn't digging up any. I was just out on our land by the lake, and it was washed up on the shore. And some people think this stone is actually much older than some of the tribes that initially settled here. And it goes back to, you know, after the Ice Age, you know, eight to 10,000 years when the Anishinaabe came across looking for this land. Anyhow, the whole story was very powerful, how that all happened coincidentally no. no and the fact that i was skipping with my dog was cool because is it because of my dog i found that i wouldn't have been looking in the water for rocks except mm. that my dog was there and wanted loves chasing these stones you know anyhow that's my little one of my little that's a good story yeah that's cool but it ties in i think mm -hmm. with this nature theme and and however we're directed you know often angels it's a great way i think of saying yeah there's an intermediary there's something there mm -hmm. right yeah i would say i mean i i feel like i have a connection through my my grandma i see signs all the time i don't know if i've ever thought of her as an angel but very well that could be a, a term for her um but i connect with her through um i just well numbers like that's the number of one two zero seven or twelve oh seven which is my birthday and i see it all the time and every time i do i'm like that's my grandma and i chat with her and i she's just always been with me since she passed that's just been a theme in my life that she's always let me know she's there but and that's comforting you know yeah that's so comforting it's very comforting to feel like you have those people still with you in your life yeah. 
and they can speak into your life somehow or somehow influence that. I think it's that idea that not only does it bring comfort, but it also helps you connect that even after your own life, there's something that lives on with your children or your children's children and keeps that memory and that spirit alive. Mm -hmm. I think so, because when we're in stores or wherever we may be and there's a cardinal anywhere, Mm -hmm. if it's in a picture on the wall or wherever it may be, my children point it out. So, You know, what's really funny about this, I just thought of it now, is that so this year we have never seen cardinals in the winter at my house. We don't see them usually there where we live, you know. I'll see them in the summer sometimes, but not in the winter. And this winter, it was not long after we started the podcast, you know. We had this cardinal show up on our bird feeder deck, just this beautiful bird. And I'm going, I have never seen that before. And I started thinking when you were saying that, how these events are, they seem like a happenstance, but... Now, how many people will see that and say, well, that's pretty, and think nothing more? Well, that's true. Probably me. (laughs) (laughs) Now I will probably think of you when I, if I see a cardinal. Uh, Yeah, I just, there are things like that in hummingbirds and signs, and and maybe there's fear in people that they don't want to accept that when somebody has passed, they're trying to reach them, or what it may be, but... Because that was when I would get a lot of signs from my grandma, I would think, are you here all of the time? <laughs> like, there must be boundaries here, right? <laughs> the bathroom's off limits, yeah. right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just, you know, we can't really see them. So you just kind of have to accept that they're here for the good and they're here for a reason. And they're here to help. And so we're just going to accept that because that is all, it's all good things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we can't figure out how the boundaries work or not. I think we can simply observe and experience that because I don't think those things are given to us to understand. I just think the way we are in this world with the life we live, it's too hard for us to figure and see all those connections. Mm-hmm. And what if Grandma Ruth isn't Grandma Ruth and I get to heaven and I've been bamboozled this whole time? And who that spirit is is somebody I didn't expect it would be. <laughs> I just think, though, if there's a, and I could be totally bamboozled as well, but like if you have this experience and that's the first thing that you think of or that it's just, it's just a known, like in your set and yourself, you know what that stands for, what that means, or who that is. That's that's just what it, I mean, it is what it is. And I i don't tell many people that, like, my grandma visits me every time I see 12.07. Like, I see it on the clock. I see it on any any time I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, that number just comes up. To me, it's always like, oh, my grandma's here with me, and she's there, and that presence is there people would be like, you're just ridiculous. You know, like once you see something, your mind programs you to see it all the time. And I'm like, well, that's not when I feel like, it's not like I'm going looking for it. You know, it's something that comes to you when you need it and you automatically have that comforting feeling. And I don't think you're being bamboozled. I think it's us making a connection with something bigger than ourselves. I hope you're right. 
Well, I think I'm often, I'm glad to be bamboozled by goodness. I'm I'm glad to be bamboozled by love and goodness and mercy and kindness. And I think guys, more than women sometimes, need that. They need to be bowled over by something totally, you know, different and that they can't explain. And, And I do think that, and maybe, you know, this is just a lot for reflection, but that I think that obviously if there is a God, then... I don't want to believe in any God that's not good. The God must be good, and this God must have my well-being, you know, in mind for for it to be a God, or you know, to call it worthy of that, and others' well-being as well. But I mean, it has to be a certain amount of personal connection there. And I often think that that God would use whatever is necessary that's good in my life to connect to the goodness that God is. You know, there's this thing in religious theory called correspondence that. You can't know anything about good or God unless there's something in you that you can relate to that's good. And so your grandma, you know, is the closest thing to something really good that you just love and you know is is on your side, got your back. And that's, to me, that idea of correspondence, that if I was a God and I someone couldn't quite figure out who I was, I definitely want to bring up the grandma thing, like, okay, this is the way in, and grandma's... In scripture, it says we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, and it uses a word that means that the witnesses that have gone before are present around us. We just can't see them, you know. And so I just see it's totally in line with a God of mercy, love, and kindness to use an animal we like, you know, something, a number that relates to the grandma or a person, and to use that to to lift our thoughts. And, you know, and if, if the result is goodness and mercy and help and kindness, then what more do we need to know? You know, how much more do we need to unpack it, right? Right. Accept the good. Yeah, accept it as for what it is and give thanks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's a beautiful place to end this yeah. conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. You've Thank been you. amazing. Thank you for sharing. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Anything for some old neighbors. <laughs> it oh. is great, yeah. We truly appreciate our guests because we know sometimes these conversations take a little more to come to the table with right. pure, genuine thoughts. And so we appreciate you coming today. Can we talk? We didn't give the name of our business. Can we say that? Yeah, I think you should plug it. Cardinal Consulting Solutions. Cardinal Consulting Solutions. That's beautiful. We'll play a commercial for it right after this break. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. God bless. Bye-bye. Don't skip past the moment.